This episode of Hitting Play is brought to you by Skip Solar Panel Services. Uh, due to recent litigation, we've abandoned our famous slogan, Look to the Sun. We've pulled all of our ads, and now we are just asking customers to pay us, and we will nail these things to your roof. Thank you. And welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me on the Hitting Play hotline is a very special guest. You may know him from such things as Dolphin Tale 2 and The Maiden Heist. Morgan Freeman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. I'm so happy we were able to get you on the show. This week, Mr. Freeman and I watched the hilarious Adult Swim cartoon about three anthropomorphic Yeah, it's a little hard to say. Yes. Uh, Three anthropomorphic fast food items in their strange life living in a small New Jersey home. More specifically, we watched episode 15 of season 2, entitled The Shaving, written by the show's creators Dave Willis and Matt Malero. It aired during Cartoon Network's Adult Swim Block on October 26, 2003. Wow, that was 12 years ago. Yeah, at the time of this recording, it had been over 12 years. Hard to believe. Now, Aqua Teen Hunger Force made its debut with the pilot entitled Rabot on December 30th, 2000. And they began the regular airing of episodes on September 9th, 2001. And it ended its long run on Adult Swim on August 30th, 2015. Now, this run spanned 139 episodes over 11 seasons and five different series if you consider that the actual name of the show had been changed every season after Season 7. Season 8 was called Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1. Season 9 was called Aqua Something You Know Whatever. (laughs) Season 10 was Aqua TV Show Show. And its final season, the 11th season, was known as Aqua Teen Hunger Force Forever. Now, just to give you some background on these characters, they were originally conceived as mascots for the fictional fast food chain Burger Trench that would appear in an episode of Space Ghost Coast to Coast entitled Baffler Meal. And uh, in this episode, the characters' designs were slightly off, their personalities weren't quite the same, but they were still known as the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And this episode was renamed Kentucky Nightmare, and it actually wasn't produced until after... Aqua Teen Hunger Force started to gain popularity. In fact, I think it's a uh, bonus feature in one of the Aqua Teen uh, volumes, the DVD sets. You can see it there as a uh, special feature, the entire episode. Very, very funny. And it also had a feature film in the middle of its run, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. Yeah, That was yeah, released yeah. in theaters on April 13th, 2007. In this movie, we get, I guess, a little more of the Dr. Weird character and kind of understand what connection he has to these characters. There hasn't been much in the show other than the fact that some of his creations would end up visiting the Aqua Teens. And you always had that picture in Frylock's room of him and a young Dr. Weird. And there was never really much mentioned about that connection. Now, Morgan, just to give the listeners a peek behind the podcasting curtain, if you will... Uh, When we invite guests onto the show, we often ask which episodes they would especially be interested in discussing, and you actually had three. Yes, I did. I believe I sent you a list. Yes, you, uh, let's see. You had the final episode of MASH. A classic. The second to last episode of MASH, and the shaving episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. 
Now, of course, we already covered an episode of MASH, actually the pilot episode, in a previous episode of the podcast, and that's because Sean is a big fan. I know. Thanks, Sean. Gotta ruin everything. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, I have to ask you why you requested this show, and more specifically, this episode of the show. Why, why the shaving episode? Well, I've always been a fan of surrealist humor and short-format animation. Mm -hmm. This show is just that perfect confluence of many things I look for when I watch TV. Quite honestly, The Shaving is my favorite episode because it features Tom Sharpling. Yes, Tom Sharpling, host of the best show. Uh, he's in this. He's also half of the great comedy duo Sharpling and Worcester. Now, do, you, do you listen to the best show? Oh yeah, every Tuesday night. I even called in a handful of times. Oh man, that's great. I only got called twice. You ever call in? Yeah, but uh, yeah, only a few times over the past like five or six years or so. And uh, for listeners, we should clarify that GOMP, G-O-M-P, is an acronym standing for Get Off My Phone. And often in the show, when Tom would be done with a call, or not care for the caller, he'd hang up by saying, you know, Get Off My Phone! And so to be GOMPed, or also heave-hoed, or bad-companied, there's a, a couple of different things he does. It's just a creative way of being hung up on, on the best show. Now, has it happened to you? No, no, not yet anyway. Um, my best call to the best show was probably in 2011. It wasn't really a call. I pre-recorded this bit where I chopped up some sound clips of Tom talking, and I added my own impression of Shaquille O'Neal with it. I made it sound like Tom was interviewing him, and uh, he ended up playing it on the show, which was really cool. Uh, good for you. I'm just not a fan of celebrity impressions. Yeah, well, you know. Moving on. Uh, let's get right into this episode. So we begin at the laboratory of Dr. Weird, located at the South Jersey Shore, as dramatic music plays. Uh, it, we see that it's a large castle built upon the rocks that has a small rope bridge leading to it. We see that it's dark and stormy outside, and cutting to a closer view of the entrance, we see that the front gates say Belle Isle Asylum. And I've always wondered what this was. It's actually because the footage was taken from an episode of Johnny Quest. And you'll notice through many of these Adult Swim shows that aired around this time, they lifted a lot of animations and backgrounds and characters from Hanna-Barbera cartoons as they had access to them. Yeah, especially shows like Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, Brack, Z-Lab 2021. Yeah, and this is how every episode of the show for the first two seasons began. Uh, every episode would start with Dr. Weird showing something to his faithful assistant Steve, and many times, Dr. Weird's work was to Steve's detriment. As was the case in this episode, uh, we open on Dr. Weird. He's talking baby talk as he pets the spider-like creature perched on his yellow-gloved finger. And we hear Steve moaning in the background. Dr. Weird asks his new pet where his brother is, and panning to Steve on the ground, we see his other eye leap out of his skull and walking on its nerve legs toward Dr. Weird as Steve screams again. Oh, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Weird admonishes Steve against scaring his new little friends, and we immediately cut to the show's open. Now, when the show's open, we see our main three characters, Master Shake, voiced by Dana Snyder, Frylock, voiced by Carrie Means, and Meatwad, voiced by Dave Willis, showing off some of their more creative animations as the theme song performed by rapper Schooly D plays. Also in this open, we see action scenes of the main three characters involved in exciting scenarios. We see them jumping from a helicopter, underwater fighting a giant squid, bursting into a warehouse, catching two robot thieves stealing treasures. 
We also see them in space fighting these alien ships after being deployed from the space shuttle. And finally jumping away from an exploding car and getting propelled right into the camera. We never see these characters in scenes like these, but it's, it's all part of the joke. When uh, Willis and Malero pitched the show to the network, they implied that Aqua Teens would be more detectives and there'd be more action than they actually show. Huh, well, it worked. Now, the sequence ends with Master Shake diving face first into a plate of spaghetti, and this cuts to the show's logo as Schooly D finishes with number one in the hood G. So now the actual show begins as we see a full moon over the Aqua Teens' rented home at 1171 Fairley Street in South Jersey, New Jersey. We see swarms of bats flying through the air as a wolf's howl is heard in the distance. I don't think there's wolves in New Jersey. Yeah, well, it still could be a coyote or a dog, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's not the strangest thing we're going to see in this episode. Uh, Inside, we see Meatwad showing off his Halloween costume to Shake. He's dressed as the non-licensed knockoff of the Hulk known as the Incredible Plum. And his costume consists of a purple mask tied around his face, as his entire body is also dyed purple. He warns Shake in character that he wouldn't like him when he's angry. Shake tells him to hold still as he gets ready to slice him in half with a large decorative sword, and he tells him he's about to be both Hall and Oates. Meatwad doesn't really object to the violent act, but rather to the fact that people won't get his costume, and Shake actually agrees with him that it's too inside, and instead decides to get the Food Ninja Blender so Meatwad can dress up as the Boston Philharmonic. You know, we later see this in action about... I don't know, six and a half years later in the episode entitled Multiple Meat. Yeah. So it's feasible that Meatwad could be chopped up into a blender and dress up as an entire orchestra. Okay, so maybe some accidental consistency there. Despite his hesitance and insistence that he is the Incredible Plum, Meatwad does get into the blender, but just as Shake is about to puree him, Frylock floats into the room wearing a sailor hat and self-adhesive face scar on his cheek, and he tells Shake to now unplug the blender. Frylock dumps Meatwad out of the blender and tells him that he's going to be dressed up as the Bachelor. And in one of his fries, we see he's holding a package containing the Bachelor mustache, which he removes and places on Meatwad's upper lip, I guess you'd call it. Meatwad still wants to be the Plum, so Frylock reassures him that the Plum is also a Bachelor, and he tells Meatwad that he's dressed as a sailor on shore leave from a literary ghost ship, but neither Meatwad nor Shake is impressed. In fact, Shake, who has been antagonizing both of them this whole time, tells Frylock to put on his ballerina shoes and get the rest of his outfit, also telling him to be who he really is and calling him Dr. Zhivago. That's one of my favorites. Dr. Zhivago is? (laughs) Yeah, Scott, you're too young. You're too young. Okay. Now at this point, Frylock decides to leave to get some candy as Shake and Meatwad have this argument over what undergarments Frylock could be wearing, even though it doesn't really make sense considering he is actually a box of french fries. It's so ridiculous. Just another crazy Shake argument. Yes. As Shake is facing Meatwad and hurling insults at him, a large onion-like spider creature walks over to them. They quiet down and look over at him as he holds up an electric razor with one of his spindly legs. He stares at them with straight-faced silence as the razor buzzes. Yes, Willie Nelson, the Onion Monster, is voiced by Tom Sharpling. Love the character design here. He's the last character that you see in the entire series. 
Yeah, that's right. He shows up during the closing credits of the series finale, right? Yes, he does. Master Shake, now thinking that this is just another one of Frylock's costumes, begins to chastise him, saying, Good one, Frylock. Which crappy book is this one from? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Frylock happily floats over, holding a tray, thinking that they have their first trick-or-treater. As Shake, as well as Meatwad, realize that this is not Frylock in another lame costume. This onion creature tells them that they don't understand and that he lives there. Frylock at first here, he doesn't take him seriously and even suggests that this is all part of an act and, oh, maybe he's dressed as insane creature guy. It's so ridiculous. Many of these episodes will end with, like, the death of a main character or... um, That's another tough one to say. Yeah, thanks. Or irreparable damage being done to their house or even the entire earth in some episodes. Okay, so now pulling on some of the root-like appendages coming off of his chin, the onion creature assures him that this is not a costume. He lives in the attic, and he's a monster. Now upon hearing this, Shake excitedly calls for Frylock to get the axe and runs off. Meanwhile, the onion creature asks Frylock if he has any mail for him, telling him that his name is Willie Nelson, as Morgan mentioned. He also clarifies that he's not THE Willie Nelson. It's a great facet of his character that he shares a name with a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of um, Michael... Yeah, you're thinking uh, of Michael Bolton in yeah, Office Mike, Space? Yeah, Michael Bolton in Office Space, yes. Yeah, it adds like a, a world weariness to the character. They always have to acknowledge the more famous person that they share a name with. Now, Shake excitedly runs back into the room and happily decides that he has enough time to order an axe from a website and he runs off again. Yeah, Sheik is very excited about cutting people up in this episode for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, and after thinking about it briefly, Frylock remembers that occasionally, you know, they do get some mail for someone named Willie Nelson, and he used to forward it, but now when that mail arrives, he just throws it away. And uh, Tom doing a great job here uh, with uh, Willie's sarcastic reply of, oh, good, thanks. To teach them a lesson, Willie walks over to their treasured television set and tells them that this isn't his, so he thinks he'll just throw it out. So picking it up with two of his legs, he throws it through the glass of the living room window and out into the lawn where it promptly explodes. As many props in this show do when they're dropped or thrown. (laughs) And Shake screams out, That was my window to the world! And Willie replies, Well, now it's been shattered by the monster. Pretty scary, right? And Shake tells him that not only was it not scary, it was the complete opposite. And now he tries to think of the word. Tacos. Yes. Meatwad suggests tacos, and upon hearing the word tacos uttered out loud, Shake runs to find them, telling everyone to get out of his way, and even claiming that they're his, and that he made them. Yeah, a common element throughout this series is the fact that even though they are somehow able to rent this house albeit a cheap house in disrepair and no bathroom, they have no money for food. It's very scarce and it's highly coveted, especially by Master Shake. Yes, always the most selfish of the bunch. Now, as Shake frantically searches the kitchen in the background with the sounds of glass breaking, Willie tells Frylock and Meatwad that his scaring will resume when he gets back into the attic. Finally, Frylock and Meatwad come to the realization that there is a monster that's been living in their attic. Willie explains that he was driven to the house by the villagers when he was doing 30 in the 25. And he clarifies his explanation by saying, well, it wasn't really villagers, more like just one guy. And it wasn't a guy that he was really friends with, but just someone that he knew. The villager. 
<laughs> yeah, just one. <laughs> yes. Now, Frylock asks what the razor he carries with him is all about, and Willie tells him it's because he shaves once every couple of days. Frylock explains that they would have never heard him shaving in the attic because of their great insulation, one of actually the only good features of this house, as we'll see over the course of the seasons. Willie also tells him that the insulation makes it very hot in the attic and asks to borrow a fan, assuring them that he would not keep it, just borrow it. At this point, Master Shake gets very insulting towards Willie Nelson because of what he determines is a non-frightening monster persona. And you can see here in Willie's eyes, he's starting to be deeply hurt. I love the drawing there, the, the sad eyes. Frylock separates the two of them, telling Willie that he doesn't want any trouble. Master Shake continues to be deeply offensive and asks him what kind of monster he really is. And Willie, trying to defend himself, tells him that, you know, he's pretty hardcore and he's been known to do a number on plenty of cats. As Shake derisively responds to Willie's assertion, telling him that he bets he does a number in his tights on Broadway. Another example of Shake slamming the performing arts in this episode. Shake continues to ramble on with his insults to the point where Willie is left confused. Shake finishes by wagering that Willie couldn't scare anybody. From here, we immediately cut to the front of the house next door, belonging to their neighbor, Carl Brutana Nadaluski. Oh, you said that one right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> now, Willie rings the doorbell as they all wait. Carl comes to the door, looks at Willie, then asks Beatwad if that's his mother. Classic Carl, probably... My favorite of Dave Willis's characters in this show. Yes, great job here by Dave Willis. And uh, Willie tries to now jog Carl's memory, reintroducing himself as his old neighbor. He also explains his backstory about being driven to the house by, you know, the villager. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Carl tells him that's a great story and slams the door in his face. Shake immediately tells Willie to pay up, and rather than admit defeat, Willie tells Shake to wait and rings Carl's doorbell once again. This time, to appear more scary, he holds up the electric razor and says, The shaving. The shaving. This time, Carl doesn't even bother going to the front door. He just yells that he's going to call the cops. And Frylock tells Willie that Carl will do it and decides to leave. And I believe Carl says in a later episode that the police don't even respond to his calls anymore. <laughs> they're, just, they're just so tired of it now. They don't even listen. Now, as they walk back to the house, Shake asks Willie what this whole shaving bit that he's doing is all about. He also tells him that he needs to get some edge. And Willie tells him, well, you know, his razor does have an edge. It's a triple edge with special lubricating strip. Also adding that it'll do a number. Yeah, we see that Shake almost feels sorry for Willie. Probably to the fullest extent that Shake can feel sorry for somebody. Yes, and here he decides to show him how to scare Carl. So after saying, check this out, Shake rings the doorbell. And once Carl opens the door, he throws Meatwad at him. And Carl screams, get him off, get him off, in horror as Shake runs back to the house. Now seeing the effectiveness of this very simple act, Willie asks if he can try that. But now Shake tells him, no, only he can do that. But he will show them the ways of being a monster. So we cut back into the Aqua Teen living room a few moments later, where Shake has equipped Willie Nelson with two electric chainsaws. And reminding him of his new persona, Shake tells him that he has no regard for human life and goes on and on with the gruesome details about making a suit from his victims and what his personality is. Yeah, and what is this, uh, season two? Uh, yes, this is uh, season two or volume three if you have the DVDs. I'm 
Not sure what it's listed on Hulu Plus here. Yeah, well, regardless, it shows you how early in the show Shake became this twisted character. Oh yeah, a far departure from what he was like in the pilot. Willie tells Shake that he doesn't want to make a suit from anybody, but Shake just tells him that that's how it's done, and this side crap is just throwing him off. And Willie seems a little hesitant to take on this new personality that Shake is giving him, telling him that it doesn't sound right. And Shake ignores Willie's reluctance and tells him to also ditch the shaving act because monsters don't groom themselves. Well, I mean, some do, like vampires and Chewbacca. I guess. So, anyway, for practice, Shake walks into the room pretending that he's John Q. Public, just a man walking down the street. Willie Nelson, hiding behind the easy chair, pops out and says, What are you doing here? And Shake screams no at him, ending the practice scenario. He tells him to read his lines from the prepared sheet. And we find out that on this piece of paper, the line Willie is told to recite is, Nice head. I think I'll take it. So after a little coaching and insulting, the two go hand in hand when it comes to Shake, uh, Willie is given Frylock's sailor's hat and sent on his way over to Carl's. And as he leaves, Shake reminds him that the chainsaws are electric, so he only has about 30 feet of extension cord to play with. Willie walks over to Carl's house with both chainsaws whirring as he reads his line over and over again. Yeah, nice head. I think I'll take it. Nice head. I think I'll take it. Nice Nice head. head. I I think I'll take it. it. (laughs) Just as he approaches Carl's doorstep, Willie runs out of extension cord and the chainsaws unplug. Waiting for him at the front door is Carl, who screams at him, asking what he wants. Along with Meatwad, who evidently is still hanging out at Carl's house. Yep, still there. Unsure of himself, Willie just goes back to his default line, which is simply asking, What are you doing here? Carl screams back that he lives there. With Meatwad adding that he's still just visiting. So with apprehension in his eyes, Willie decides to just ask Carl if any of his mail comes to his house by mistake. Meatwad says that he'll look while Carl slams the door. Now talking to nobody, Willie Nelson tells Carl that if he finds any mail belonging to him, bring it over. If he dares. (laughs) Back in the living room, Shake is very excited to hear the details of Willie Nelson's scaring of Carl, asking if he properly told Carl his new name. Yeah, we find in addition to the coaching, Shake renamed him Blood Feast Island Man. Yes. I'm sorry, were you going to say that? No, no, that's good. uh, Shake reminds Willie Nelson about the many aspects of his new Blood Feast Island Man monster persona, which he wrote down. Shake laughs about how Carl must have been terrified by Willie Nelson's new routine as somebody begins to knock on the front door. Walking over to see who it is, still laughing from the idea of Carl facing the wrath of the new monster he helped create, Shake opens the front door to find Carl holding the still purple meatwad with a pair of yellow dishwashing gloves. Carl yells to Shake, have a taste, and throws meatwad right at his mouth. We also see here that Meatwad has left a large purple stain on Carl's white undershirt. (laughs) And now Shake screams, terrified of being touched by Meatwad. Now, tired of all the antics from that day, Willie Nelson tells them that he's going back to the attic. And Shake once again insults him, realizing that Carl was not scared, and Willie did not fulfill the mission that Shake sent him on. So they try it again. On Willie's third trip to Carl's front door, we see that they really intend to inflict bodily harm on Carl. You know, it was unclear to me as to whether Master Shake wanted Willie Nelson to actually hurt or kill Carl, but it's quite apparent now. 
Very much so. Now we cut back to the front door of Carl's house where Willie Nelson knocks as two jumper cables are attached to the doorknob. And after there's no answer, Shake, in Carl's driveway sitting in the driver's seat of a cement truck, tells him to ring the doorbell again. Zooming back from Carl's front door, we see that many slogans are scrawled onto Carl's house in blood, including the phrase, Blood Feast Island Man Was Here. Panning over, we see the jumper cables are attached to a transformer or an electrical substation, which now has been installed in Carl's front yard. To help the success of the mission, Shake yells to Carl, Come on, we're not going to do anything! Thinking everything over now, Willie asks Shake if they are actually trying to kill Carl or just scare him. And Shake replies by telling him that killing is scary. Uh. Willie begins to have second thoughts and now tells Shake that he doesn't know if he really wants to be a part of this. Shake tells him that it's too late, it's his work, it's got his name all over it. And Shake begins to ring the doorbell himself. And as we zoom out, we see that there are bloody slogans written all over Carl's house and even on the roof. And you wonder how they did all this so fast. Yeah, that and rent a cement truck and install this electrical substation. Now, Sheik begins to get very angry at the fact that Carl is not answering his door, even yelling into his house through his open living room window. He orders Willie to now lower the blood out of the cement truck. So Carl jumps into his living room window wearing the incredible plum mask he got from Meatwad and growls at Sheik. Investor Sheik is so caught off guard and startled by this, he jumps backwards into that electricity where he begins to get electrocuted. One thing that's pretty consistent in the show is the comeuppance. (laughs) After getting burned by the electricity, which very, very funny character design here, very funny animation, he's propelled forward where his eyes bug out of his head. And he's all, like, burnt and everything. And while this is happening, Willie finally figures out which lever in the cement truck lowers the blood, and he begins to spill all of the contents of the cement truck onto Shake's lifeless body. And meanwhile, in Carl's house, Carl and Meatwad share a laugh together. Yeah, very out of character here to see Carl getting along so well with one of the Aqua Teens, but it just shows you how evil Shake was being here. Meatwad offers Carl a high five saying, give me some skin. But Carl refuses saying that he has enough skin on his face. We could see that a lot of the substance that makes up Meatwad is now on Carl's face because he had just used his mask to scare Master Shake. Gross random. Sorry, what was that? No, I was just saying that he's gross random meat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Now, back in the living room, Shake is leaning back, smoldering as he's propped up by the easy chair. We see now that he's seriously damaged by the electrocution. His straw is frayed, his eyes are bugged, his lid is warped, his body is scorched. You can see the smoke coming off of him. I love that his little hands are just two pools of dripping goo on the carpet. Yes, very nice touch. Yeah. Now, despite all of this, he asks Willie to still recap what happened. Willie tells him that they just did it and asks them to high-five, and Shake directs Willie to just high-five the dripping yellow liquid on the floor. And it just casually does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Willie just decides to fabricate the story of Carl being scared, telling Shake about how great his face looked in the moment. And Shake, still not really entirely sure what had just transpired, reasons with himself that his eyes must have just rolled back in his head at the apex of Carl's frightening. Yeah, I love that. I just, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly what it was, Shake. Willie Nelson, now sick of everything he had just experienced, decides to call it a night. He tells Shake that he's going back up to the attic to get some juice and recharge his batteries. As Willie walks by, Shake tells him to rest up that Carl was just the beginning and that tonight shall be forever. 
so stupid. <laughs> now, floating up to the attic steps, Frylock brings some of Willie Nelson's old mail that he found. And Willie invites him on up. Frylock floats up into the attic, and Willie tells him to wait while he turns on the light. Willie Nelson checks out his old mail, and he recognizes one of the missing persons on one of the notices that was sent to him. Kind of a strange detail, but we'll see what that's all about very soon. Yeah, yeah, uh, Shake yeah. also comes up the steps, and he and Frylock react in stunned silence as they see body parts all over the attic. Willie just apologizes to them very casually for the total mess that his house is in right now. Yeah, I remember when I first saw this, I spit out my cognac. I could not believe the reveal of this episode. Yes, yes, this is pretty gruesome, even by Aqua Teen Hunger Force standards. Just then, Carl comes out from behind some boxes, along with Meatwad, and they yell, Boo! And Carl is once again wearing Meatwad's plum mask. Meatwad is also wearing a Richard Nixon mask. And taking off their masks for the first time since hiding up there, Carl and Meatwad also react to the horror that they see around them. Now before Carl can even utter a word, Willie Nelson rips off both of his arms, yelling the word juice, and nonchalantly drinks blood from them. Realizing his rudeness, Willie then offers what he calls juice to Frylock and Shake. Juice. So nasty. <laughs> yes. As seeing Willie Nelson for what he really is for the first time, Fry and Shake immediately rush down the attic steps, close up the hatch, and begin nailing it shut with Carl still yelling. And Willie says, guys? Guys? You know, to him, this is normal behavior. He doesn't understand what the problem is. And just leaving Carl and Meatwad up there to die. But I guess he only eats people. Yeah, I guess because he's food like the Aqua Teens. He views them as people, and maybe people as food? But the Aqua Teens also eat food, so... Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't sometimes know. it's best not trying to find logic where it does not exist. Very true. So anyway, from here, the episode smash cuts to the closing credits. Now, under the closing credits, we see a montage of scenes. We see the Aqua Teen Hunger Force as hieroglyphics. Then we see them in glass tubes on a machine controlled by bellows, manually operated by Abraham Lincoln. This cuts to another scene of Lincoln sending them into space on a wooden rocket. That rocket crash landing on the moon. The Aqua Teens with long hair or beards roasting a moon rock without any fire. And then we see an astronaut approach on a lunar rover. We zoom towards the astronaut's helmet, and this sequence finishes with Shake, Frylock, and Meatwa doing what they love most, swimming in Carl's pool without permission. It's kind of a interesting end sequence, uh, kind of giving you a montage of their history. I think the movie kind of defined what that history actually was, but it kind of gave you some... Strange backstory of them being these ancient creatures, but I think we find out later on in the movie that they are actually creations of Dr. Weird and that there was a fourth Aqua Teen as well. So now the credits end with the logo for William Street Studios and Cartoon Network. So Mr. Freeman, what are your thoughts about this episode now revisiting it for the podcast? Yeah, you know, this is a series that uh, I've been watching for many years and don't like to admit to many people that I watch it, but I secretly do enjoy it. Big fan of all of the Aqua Teen and C-Lab and all the related shows. I love this episode. I love the Shyamalan-like twist at the end. A lot of times after filming, I'll pop in a DVD and just uh, enjoy a whole season in one night. Yeah, this was always a show that I've liked since I was younger. Uh, very, very strange. As you mentioned in the outset, we were talking about it being surrealist in that short format animation. Really only 15 minutes of a TV block 
uh, 11 minutes in total. And it was one of the first along with Space Ghost and you, like the other ones you're mentioning, like C-Lab and stuff that were also very, very short. So you could watch a whole bunch of them, like the DVD volumes that Adult Swim would put out. You could watch a whole season just in, in a couple of hours. And they went so fast because those episodes didn't have time to uh, lag in their storytelling. Everything was so very quickly paced. It always had your attention. Very, very funny humor, and Aqua Teen especially always had some great guests, like Tom Sharpling in this one. And so many great names throughout the history of the show. And uh, just to show that uh, from time to time, I'll, I'll go back and watch, and always so funny to me. Well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your favorite episodes, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Now, Mr. Freeman, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, we're uh, actually, um, I'm in between here and Lithuania. We're filming the Christopher Nolan reboot of Super Mario Brothers. Really? I'm playing uh, Jack Mario. It's a kind of a reimagining of the tale. My brother is played by Gerard Depardieu. He's playing Lou. That's short for Luigi. Wow. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing that. I'm on Twitter. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Vine. My name there is MC and Friends, and there I do flip page animations, little humorous cartoons. You can check my stuff out there. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. We try to be creative with those. For Android users, we are also available to stream and or download on Stitcher, and we can now be found on TuneIn Radio, and also coming soon to Google Play, so... Look for us on those platforms. If you don't like Apple or know people who don't like Apple, you can recommend us or find us on those platforms. So please do. Well, Mr. Freeman, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and to break down this episode with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm glad we were able to make our schedules work this time. Well, we have been Morgan and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, also, um, what? Yeah, I, I should probably say that, uh, Scott, I'm, I'm actually you. What? Seriously? Yeah. I'm talking to you live. That's impossible. I'm you, but I'm you pre-recorded. No, well, that's disappointing. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Are you kidding me? Sorry. I built the Batmobile.